0: Well, it's good to be here again, and it's not because it's 85 degrees last night. (laughs) I was telling somebody, about two months ago, I was going to a chiropractic appointment at 8.30 in the morning, and it was a negative 21 Fahrenheit in Michigan. I'm going, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. So much for global warming. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, that's, uh, that's a whole other kettle of fish, right? Global, we need some global warming in Michigan. We just really would love to have it be 75 degrees all year round. I won't whine or complain. I told somebody, I said, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's been so cold in Michigan. They, they're saying that it's one of the coldest, coldest winters Michigan has ever experienced, and I, I believe it. I really, I believe it. It's just unbelievable that 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 took place and uh, hopefully when we get back see I, we come down here we experience spring and then we go back up we experience spring again because we go back up there and uh, the you know the leaves are not even close to coming out yet so it's just really interesting it's so great to be here though really is good to be here what an opportunity for us and uh, did you ever have, uh, let me just update you a little bit. I've, I've got an iPad and I've got pictures uh, for this. But uh, I'm a grandfather and I, I married a grandmother. And, uh, but my wife uh, and I are very proud grandparents because Kelly, who was here last year, had just gotten married and uh, they have a kid. This is so cool. His name is Matthew John, and uh, he fakes sleeping all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just really, a, it's just really an amazing, an amazing thing to have a grandson. I, I first of all, I can't believe that I have a son. Uh, I was, you know, we were. I was 37 when J.C. was born, and uh, now you can do the math on this now. And uh, so I, he's going to be 25 this year. And uh, I, just, I just can't believe that. And then the next thing I can't believe is he got married. <laughs> we we're praying for him, like crazy. And then um, the next thing I really can't believe, that this is like shocking, they have a kid. It's just amazing to me. just absolutely amazing. And when you look at videos, and you ever, you ever look at videos uh, of, of people that have gone on before you if, who have died? And if you look at those videos, it seems like they've never left. Isn't that right? Isn't that weird? Uh, My wife is not with me because her father passed away. He was suffering from Parkinson's and dementia. And he passed passed a week ago tomorrow. So Barb's there, and you can pray for them. It's a a hard, hard time. He knew the Lord. And actually, he knows the Lord. And he's with the Lord right now. And that's the, that's the only consolation. It's a funeral. The wake, the wake is today. Tomorrow's the funeral, and then the interment in the national cemetery because he was a veteran is uh, Tuesday. We just pray for the gospel. Many unsaved in our family. Uh, many unsaved. And uh, my uh, nephew-in-law, my nephew, is going to be preaching the gospel at that cemetery. And so you just really pray for Shane and uh, really appreciate that. So that's a little, little, just a little update. But I was watching when J.C. was born, uh, Grandpa Gruber, my father-in-law's dad, was still alive. And he called, he called uh, J.C., J.C. was born and he held J.C., called him his little prince And uh, I saw a video of it, you know, and a video of that. And it's just so weird. I saw a video one time of my mother who had passed away in 1985. And uh, that's when videos were not that, you remember those big cameras? They looked like TV jobs, TV cameras, you know? And this was the personal portable one, right? And uh, not the little cams or the iPhones, you know? that kind of thing, they're going to have them in your teeth, you just smile, video somebody. And uh, I just was watching that and I just, uh, I couldn't believe it, it's like she, she died in 1985, I just couldn't believe, it seemed like she was back, it was just really, but she's safe, she knew the Lord and knows the Lord as well. And I just think to myself as I look at that, and I, the, the, the frailty of this life. The frailty of this life. Now you may say, I remember you. You've been here like this is the st- third year you've been here, and you're looking older, Chris. That's what happens. That's what happens. And by the way, you look older too. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding, but the thing about it is, when you look at when you look at this, you know, life is going faster and faster. It seems that way; it really does. I I have been married, let's see, forty one years. I've been married forty one years, and uh, it doesn't seem that long. It just doesn't seem that long. It's just going by, and you gray tops and aspiring gray tops understand that. It just, it just seems like it's just, phew. when you're younger, we've, we've, I think we've talked about this before, but when you're younger, you think, like really young, you think in terms of weeks. <laughs> you know. And then when you get a little older, you think in terms of maybe months, and a little older, maybe one or two years, you start to think. When you get to start being our age, my age, I'm 61, uh, you start to think in terms of decades a uh, 10-year increment, You do. You start thinking, remember 10 years ago? You said, boom. Remember this 20 years ago? And, and uh, then you project 20 years ahead. And you're going, <gasps> not likely, <laughs> you know, to project that far ahead. And then you start to think how, how frail we are. I think of the psalmist when he says in Psalm 91, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The passage I would like us to look at uh, this morning is 1 John. First John. That's towards the end of the back of the book, uh, the Bible. Just goes straight to the back, and then a couple of chapters: Jude, First, Second John, and then you got First John. And then, uh, so I'd like us to look at this. This is a very uh, a, a wonderful passage for us. Uh, For me and for you, this really is. I'd like us to look at this because when we look at this passage, uh, John the Apostle, he wrote the Gospel of John, he wrote these three epistles, and he wrote also, in the inspiration of the uh, the Holy Spirit, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, he wrote the book of Revelation. And uh, he gives us two prescriptions for a godly future. When I look at my life, And uh, I want my life to count. I really do. I want my life to count. I've made huge mistakes in my life. I have. I I don't want to live with the idea of regret. I don't want to live with the, the idea of regret. But I was thinking about this the other day in the terms of living with regret, you know. I just have to understand that my life is under the blood. Under the blood of the Lamb. That is to say I've been forgiven. I love that. I love that. Uh, I love the, how God, we can, we can blow it big time. Isn't that right? Uh, F.B. Meyer put it this way. It was just so beautiful. I never forgot this illustration. He said sometimes when we trust, when we trust Christ as our personal Savior, he says, then the canvas of our life, God, the great artist, starts to paint. And it's beautiful. And it's just wonderful. And he starts to paint a beautiful picture. Right? And oftentimes we ask the Lord, we say, give me the brush. I'm going to start paint. I'm going to paint. In other words, I'm going to control my own life. And then we start to do this, and we start to paint, and it becomes blotchy and smeared and dripping and all this kind of stuff. And we go, ah, ah. And then we come to our senses and realize It's not such a good job that we're doing with our own life, so we give the paintbrush back to the master, and he is such a master artist that he can take those smears and those blotches and he can paint our life into a more beautiful picture, and God can do that. Only God can do that. And so I don't, you know, even though I might have regrets and I look at things in the past that I've done, as, as, even as a Christian, and I say I've, I regret that, the Lord, I give the brush back to Him and I say to Him, you, you just take my life. And He does it anew. He changes it anew. He ministers anew. He paints it into a more beautiful picture. And I think to myself, that's exactly how great our God is. That's how wonderful He is. And so we look at these two prescriptions for a godly future. And I'd like us to look at verses 28 of chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 through 3, 3. It says, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, ye may have confidence, and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And we look at these two prescriptions for a godly future. Two prescriptions. Don't you wish sometimes in your life that you could just start over? I mean, just let. I mean, right now, start it, start it afresh. Just forget all the rest of the stuff. Start afresh. I, I have. Starting brand new. And that's what I love about God, because every day is that way. Every day is that way. It's brand new. It's starting afresh. Isn't that fantastic? That's exactly what I want, and that's exactly how God, great God, is. And then we see the you know prescriptions. When he gives us the prescription. John gives us the prescription of a confidence for a godly future. Confidence for a godly future. And then also, and that's in verses uh, 28 and 29 of chapter 2, in verses three, uh, 1 through 3 of chapter 3, he gives us the prescription of a commitment for a godly future. I hope this blesses your socks right off. I hope you, you walk away today just understanding how great God is and how weak we are. Because I think that when we understand who we are without him, We'll understand how great He is and us with Him. Fantastic. Notice the, the confidence. We have a confidence of a godly future. Look at a confidence at His coming. Look at verse 28. And now, and that's the, you know, it sounds really weird, but that means now. That means like present tense, this very moment, right now. And now, notice what He says, and now, little children, abide in Him that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his before him at his coming. Confidence at his coming. Is that wonderful? Maybe morning, maybe noon. Maybe evening and maybe soon. I always think of roller skating when I sing that. Coming again. That's a great roller roller rink song. Coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day that will be. Sing it with me. Jesus is coming again. Well, that's true. And we don't want to be ashamed of it it when He comes. Oh, you're here! They talked about this, Lord. I can't believe it. Boom, we're right into His presence if you know Him as your personal Savior. Oh, that wasn't just a cool doctrine to hope in. It actually happened! I'm with you, Lord! Uh Uh-oh. What will He find us doing what will we be like when he comes again what will our thoughts and our hearts be in this now little children he's talking to us christians abide in him that when he shall appear you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming wow how many times have you been caught in the act of doing something i mean right how's it going I got to tell you, um, yeah, yeah, I'll tell this story. I was, uh, I was six, fo- six feet two inches in ninth grade, six four as a senior, so six two. We had a great basketball team in ninth grade, six two, six two front line. Six one. I mean, you know, that's for ninth graders. That's pretty tall. Maybe not for today, but in those days when we weren't doing the roid, it was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that was pretty tall. So, uh, so uh, you know, I'm six feet two inches. My brother was six feet two inches, and uh, uh, I'm no longer the little brother. Uh, I'm not becoming the little. I'm becoming the taller little brother and uh then my brother so my brother was doing karate and he was in, he was in he was a freshman in college i'm a freshman he's four years difference between us he's a freshman in college i'm a freshman in high school and i'm playing basketball and he was doing karate you know hitting a a, a bag of corn you know they put it in the air. doing push-ups on bricks you know you need to check up from the neck up for this right but he was doing that and uh One day, and uh, he was home for some reason, and uh, I I came in from the basketball court, and I had a bad day on the court. I had a bad day. And I took my bad... I come in, we had this big house, big farmhouse type of house, five bedrooms, and I I, I come to my, you know, double story, you know, type of thing. I come in, my brother's on the phone talking to one of his friends, and I have my basketball... And I don't know why I did this. Probably because I'm a moron. I went up to him. I, you know, he's like from me to uh, Andrew. And I go, you, bleep, 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 bleep. Bad words. Coming out of this pure little mouth. Right? I wasn't saved though. That's the catch all, right? I wasn't born again. And I said, and I threw my basketball at him. I was really a good thrower. I hit him right in the head, right in the head. With this, he goes boom! Like as he's on the phone, I hit him in the hard as I could. No, no provocation. He didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I just was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he goes, boom! Like that, the ball bounces off his head. He goes, "Would you excuse me for a moment?" <laughs> I went, Whoo! I went upstairs. Three at a time. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Upstairs, three at a time. And I go to the safest sanctuary in the house. The bathroom. <laughs> the bathroom has—it was a long bathroom. As you walk in, it had the tub with the shower. You keep walking. There's the sink. And you keep walking. There's the commode. And if you keep walking, you're outside the house. <laughs> you go through the window, right? We had this little register. It was an old house. A register, a steam, you know, a steam thing with the, you know what I'm talking about. Hot water comes through this thing, right? They get really hot in the winter. So I just parked myself on the. I hadn't, wasn't going to the bathroom. I just parked myself, to sit and rest on that toilet. I just it led down. I just, I'm, oh, I'm safe. All of a sudden, boom! <laughs> the door not only is open, the door is, the, the pieces of wood that holds the door, flying. And he, I'm not kidding. The lock that I locked the door with comes sliding right across my <laughs> feet. And I'm going, he comes up to me. He grabs me, if I can real gently. He grabs me like right behind like this. He grabs me, and I felt like his fingers were touching. And he starts moving me. He goes, you idiot! You know, which was true. Absolutely true. And he was going to... He, he was moving me towards the, the radiator like he was going to burn me. I mean, it was hot. The thing was hot. And he was hot too. So, he's going... I said, no, Teddy, no! His name is Ted. I said, no, Teddy, no, Teddy! No, 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 no! I'm sorry, I'm sorry! I'm sorry! Don't burn me! Don't burn me! You know? He goes, Ugh, And he walked away. You know, and I go, oh. Then I looked at the door jam. The door jam was splintered. I mean, I mean, we're not. It's just, it just was pathetic, you know. So what do you do when you're a kid? You, yeah, I had taken shop. <laughs> I knew what plastic wood was. I knew what epoxy was. So my mom wasn't home. My dad definitely wasn't home. My mom wasn't home. And so I, I. Um, I, I look at this and I go, oh, man, what do I do? So I go into the hole of Calcutta. That was our basement. And I try to find our tools. And the, I'm going, oh, I see these two things, these two glues. And you go, and, <laughs> and you, you put them together. And, and you, I start epoxying this stuff. And you know, I'm going, oh, yeah. And I'm going like this. And then you had this pencil this, uh looked like a crayon. But it was like you could fake out. The, in the, the, you could put it on wood and it looked like it never, right? Right, so I'm I'm coloring and I'm going, oh, this is great. I took the lock and I just placed it straight back in. I didn't, you know, think anybody breathes on this thing is going to fall out, right? I just put it right in there like this, and it's, I'm going, ah, oh, this is great. And I'm doing a little coloring, and I'm going, Whoo! and my mom was standing right there. <laughs> and I tell you right now, I was ashamed. She goes, Teddy told me everything, which wasn't true. Teddy told me everything, now you tell me. Well, I oh, I, uh, I, called him a bad name. <laughs> I hit him in that the basketball. <laughs> and I called him a bad name. He goes, what was that bad name? I can't say it.
1: What's that bad name?
0: Mom, please. <laughs> she really pressed, but I never told her. She figured it out, though. I said it had something to do with babies. And uh, I said, you know, I was so ashamed. I was so shocked. I mean, she, I don't know how long she was standing there. She was. I'm thinking, I'm, oh, I'm so successful. This is great. And there she is. She's standing there. I want you to know something. The Lord Jesus Christ can come at any moment. At any moment for us. And that we don't want to be ashamed of His coming. Notice it says, Now little children, abide in Him, and then when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at His coming. We don't want to be this way. So the question is, I've got to ask you this too, and this is, this is mandatory. Are there things in your life right now that you're doing, this very moment, that are sinful and ashamed, that would bring shame? Are there? Well, you don't want to carry that. You don't want to carry that. You don't. You don't want to have that in your life. You don't want that. You don't, because He's coming again. And we sing maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. How about maybe immediately? How about at any moment? Boom! Here He is. We're with Him. I'm talking to us Christians. I'm not talking to the unsaved. I'm talking to us Christians who know the Lord and are not living for the Lord. And so we have this confidence that is coming. And then a confidence... At, his, at our conversion, notice this, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. And so we want to, <clears throat> we live for him, we are born of God, we do righteousness, we can't help but do righteous deeds because we are born of God. We are born of God, we can't help it. That's, and that's one of the beautiful things about being a Christian, is that we start to emulate our Father. We start to emulate the family. Some people say, my son looks like me. Well, if that's true, pray for him. <laughs> pray for that boy, you know. And, uh, and nobody said that Matthew John, my new grandson, looks like me at all. Praise God. Maybe he looks like Kelly, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, you ever, you ever meet somebody that they just look? I, I, okay, I, I, know, I know Lewis Roberts. I know Lewis Roberts. You say, who in the world's Lewis Roberts? Joshua's and Nikki's dad. Okay. I look at Josh, and he gives me almost the same expressions, especially when I'm talking stupid. Uh, he gives me the same expressions as his dad does. I go, oh man. And see, this is what happens for those who are part family. I look at Nikki, and if you look at Nikki, you see Mary, her mom you really do you see them they're like carbon copies and it's just really really interesting to see that well isn't that beautiful when somebody says to you they come up to you you might not think it's true but it is true you remind me of jesus anybody ever say that to you if if i could see jesus right now i think that that's you would remind me of that that's that's a, what a compliment what a compliment that is. And you, know, you look at yourself you go, no way. No way. But when others see you, what do they see? We have confidence in our conversion. We have confidence that you may know that you know that he is righteous. You know that everyone that doeth righteousness. You know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Uh, we're in the family of God. We want to emulate the characteristics of that family. And not just in terms of uh, you know we all look differently, uh, we all look different. Uh, but the thing is, I want to I want to emulate you know, from a moral perspective, from a uh, a godly perspective. I want to emulate my father. I want to have that. I want to have that look. Uh, I don't you know it's not like a certain facial or you know. You know, look like we've been weaned on lemons or something. Oh yes, he must be holy. Look at him; he looks so unhappy. <laughs> you know, at somebody, somebody is so unhappy that just—and that's odd. You know, when somebody's trying to faking it, you know, faking the uh, spirituality thing, uh, faking it big time. I, I look at that and I say to myself, you know, and they're unhappy. They look unhappy. What an advertisement! Somebody said, if you have the joy of Jesus in your heart, then notify your face. (laughs) Isn't that true? Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the You know what blessed means? It's ashir in the Hebrew. It means, oh, how very happy. So if you look at a person that is like, really grumpy, and they're saying, oh, yeah, I love God. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt that, but notify your face. <laughs> what, I mean, what an attractive thing. It's just, oh, what an attractive. Yes, I never laugh at anything. I never do. I'm, I'm very serious all the time. Wow. <laughs> I tell you what, there's some things that just really, you know, just the beauty of holiness The question is, I have to ask is, do we have this kind of confidence in our lives now and for the future? And not only does uh, does John give us the prescription of confidence for a godly future, but also he gives us the prescription of commitment for a godly future. Look at verses 1 through 3 of chapter 3. We see the commitment of the sovereign God in verse 1. The commitment of the sovereign God. Notice what He says: "Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God." Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. We had a breaking of bread uh, earlier at nine thirty, and uh, it just was really precious. Thinking about what Jesus Christ has done for us, how and it's such a it's you know the breaking of bread for me is such a bitter sweet or sweet, bitter meeting. It really is. To think about that that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the terrible price for my sin, that I, when I place my faith in him and recognize that he did that on my behalf, and I asked him to be to be my Savior, apart from what I could do, what joy that is. I'm not going to spend one second in the lake of fire. I'm not going to spend one second there. Not one second. I die right now. I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm in the state of grace. I'm always in the state of grace once I've trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. The moment I trust in Christ is the moment I have eternal life. Isn't that right? How could we be sad at this? What joy that we have. You know? Unspeakable, Paul writes. He says, it's joy unspeakable. It's hard to express the joy that we have in Him. Isn't that true? Incredible joy, the sovereign God. Notice, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. We have been called the children of God. That trumps everybody, doesn't it? You could be an astronaut and walk on the moon knowing Jesus is better. You could be Bill Gates and have, you know, 98 billion dollars. I tell you what, you can't take it with you, right? I'd rather have Jesus. I like that song that George Beverly Shea wrote and sang so beautifully. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. Right? I'd rather have Jesus. And then anything else. My my father-in-law. You ever go to CVS? You ever go to CVS? Well, if you go to CVS, you're going to help my mother-in-law because they have a pension from CVS. My father-in-law is the head of the taxation department for CVS, previously named Revco. Of all the worldwide operations, he was the head of their taxation department. He was a CPA and head of the whole thing. And he saved them millions and millions of dollars in terms of taxes with the government and state and local and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, he just, what a prestigious, what an incredible, responsible job Stephen P. Gruber had. But I want you to know something that didn't do a a thing for him when he took his last breath. And I was there last Monday when he took his last breath. I watched him. And the only thing that made the difference... Is Jesus Christ. The only thing that made a difference in Stephen Gruber's life is that when he closed his eyes and he took his last breath and he closed his eyes to this world, he opened them and saw Jesus. And that's the only thing. And we have to understand, and you said it today too, you said it, you know, that God, before the foundation of the world, planned that for us. That's exactly what Peter the Apostle says. He says he planned that for us. In fact, let's look at that for a moment. Go left a little bit <clears throat> into 1 Peter chapter 1. And let's look at that. It says, For as much as you, verse 18, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain or empty manner of life received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. As, with the, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. What was foreordained before the foundation of the world? That Jesus Christ would come and that He would die and that He would rise again, paying the penalty for you. God the Father planned that before the foundation of the world, that His Son would die for on your behalf. Does He care for you? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He also with Him also freely give us all things? Do you think that the God of the universe who thought this plan to redeem you and to redeem me will leave you? Leave you powerless? Do you think that this God can't answer your need right now? can't minister to you and can't help you right this very second? He's not like you. We fail. He doesn't. He's not like you. We don't know. He knows everything. And He's not like you, one place at a time. He's everywhere. And this is our God. Islam can't even come close. Buddhism doesn't even want to come close. Confucianism, I can't even remember some of his sayings. Had a hard time saying his name. Jesus' tomb is empty. That's the power of the resurrection. Nobody can beat this. Nobody can even come close to this. Nobody, no religion, no. Anything can beat what Jesus Christ has done for you at the behest of the Father. The sovereign God of the universe loves you. He cares for you. He cares. Now sometimes you might feel alone and you might feel that no one cares. And you'd be wrong. Because God does. (sighs) My mother-in-law is so afraid of being alone. I held her as she's racked with sobs from losing her husband. I'm alone. I don't know how to handle being alone. I said, Mom, what you've got to believe is you're not You're not. You're not alone. He's there. He's there for you. And you don't need to lose a spouse or have an intense feeling of loneliness to believe that you're not alone. He's there. He's there. And the only thing that we can do is to say amen to that. Amen, Lord. Even in my... I don't have anybody physically near me, with me. I feel alone. I go home. I unlock my apartment or I unlock my condominium or I unlock my house and I go into a very, very quiet home. Amen. And I go about my business. I, I cook and I feel where else who's with me he is he is you're not alone you're not alone you have to believe that you that's exactly what the word of God says that's exactly and notice what he says Beloved Not, uh, behold what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God the world does not know him, and it won't know us. He is the sovereign God of the universe, and the beautiful thing about it is, He indwells you if you know Him as your Savior. I believe the Trinity indwells the believer. Christ says, "Christ and you." The, the Bible says, "Christ in you, the hope of glory." Jesus said, "I and my Father will make our abode with you." We have the Holy Spirit makes our abode with us. I believe the Trinity abides in the believer. You say, I don't understand that. How can he be at the right hand of the Father and in the believer? The theologians call it the theanthropicness of Christ. The Theo, the God-man. He's in the believer. He's also at the right hand of the Father. This is, this is what the Bible teaches, and I, I believe it. God's Word says it. I believe it. That settles it. John Stuart Mill never gave me comfort like the Bible does. Nietzsche never gives me comfort like the Bible does. None of those philosophers do that. Not only the Lord and his word. And so we have the confident, you know, the commitment of the sovereign and then also the commitment of the savior. Notice verse 2. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. There's that pesky little doctrine again of the rapture of the church. The snatching away, sudden snatch, snatching away of the church, right? But notice also what it, it's like too. Because I saw, you know, he got pictures of my father-in-law, and I saw him, and he was... He was he was, to say he was a shadow of his former self would be a, an understatement. He was not what I knew him to be. I mean, he was—you know—he had lost so much weight. He was just gasping, and all this kind of stuff, and was just not—I mean, he just—he looked like a skeleton. He did. He looked like a skeleton when he was breathing his last. And it's just hard to look look at a loved one that way. Right? But notice this verse. How was Jesus when he rose again from the dead? Physical. Physically raised from the dead. Luke 24, 39, he said, A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. That's what Jesus told his disciples, right? A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. Notice what this says. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. How is He? For we shall see Him as He is. One of the cardinal doctrines of the Gospel is that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead physically. And that's how we will be too. We will have glorified bodies. So... I, we were, they're going to inter his body and I got to tell you it's not going to be the same body I mean it's going to be the same body but I know it's Steve Gruber but he'll have a glorified body why? because Jesus Christ is isn't that fantastic? what a hope I've been preaching in the streets since 1974 what is that? 39 years? 40? All over the United States and Canada outside the US. Some of the best universities in the world. I think of UC Berkeley, I think of I haven't been to the Gators yet. Uh, but you know, U, UGA, University of Michigan, Michigan State, UCLA, Columbia, all these different places, and preached in the open air. Not one time. Not once. Not one time in those 40 years not once did anybody ever come up to me and say I got proof that Jesus Christ never rose again from the dead not once I love it nobody can beat this nobody can beat this nobody and it says and we are the children of God and it doth not yet appear we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is he's coming again for us. We will be like him. Well, I'm going to hug Steve Gruber again. I'm going to hug Jim Duffesee again. I'm going to hug all those people that I've known and I'm going to hug Bible characters that I can't even say their name correctly, like Habakkuk or Habakkuk or I don't know how you say it, Malachi or Malachi. (laughs) You know, Job or Job. I don't know. You know, I don't know how. You know, but we're going to hug, and we'll hug physically. This is what the Bible teaches, and this is going to take place, and this is going to happen. And then we see the commitment of the sovereign. We commit. See the commitment of the Savior. And in verse three, we see the commitment of the saint. Would you look at verse three with me? And he that hath this hope in himself purifies himself, even as what? He is pure, if we have this hope in our lives, if we have this hope and we've trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, don't you think it's wise of us to give him back the brush? Don't you think it's wise of us to give him our total control of our life? He saved us? Don't you think he knows how to run our lives? So why are we so... And pardon this one. Why are we so stupid? You know, in Galatians chapter 3, J.B. Phillips translates this, Oh, you foolish Galatians, right? Having begun in the Spirit, are you made now perfect by the flesh? You know what he translates it? Oh, you idiot Galatians! Are you made now perfect by the... Are you, have you begun in the Spirit, are you made now perfect by the flesh? Why do we think by self-effort... We can live this Christian life. We cannot do it. You couldn't do it before you got saved. So why do you think you can do it now in your own strength? We trust God. We trust in Him as our personal Savior. Turn everything over to Him. Let Him have complete control. That's the wisest move you'll ever make in your whole entire life. You might think, well, I'm pretty good on Wall Street. I made some good investments, or I'm pretty good in this, and I'm really, and we, you know, or I got a good deal on this truck, or I got a good deal on that. Isn't it fantastic? Not giving God the credit, thinking it's you? You ever, I've had people come up to me and go, hey, loser. Aren't we losers? If we don't turn our lives over to Him for Him to run, we definitely do lose. We definitely do lose for sure. We definitely do. Do we see and do we have this kind of commitment in our lives right this very moment? Do we want this kind of commitment for the future? Do you really want that? Hey, I'm telling you right now, are you sitting here right this very moment saying, I don't really want to do that because if I do that, it will mess everything up? <laughs> I'm going to tell you something right now. You're already messed up. You already are messed up. He's the one that's going to straighten it up. He'll straighten it up for you. Because if you're holding it on to yourself, you've already blown it. You've taken the brush out of the Master's hand and say, I'm going to paint my own life as a Christian. And it's a mess up. Smears, blotches, drips, the whole thing. Give him back the brush. Let him have complete control. And it's as easy. You want to know how easy it is? Forgive me, Lord. I give you my life. With the, You know, you're sincere. You really mean it. It's as easy as that. Does he delight in wanting to hear that? You betcha. And you say, well, I've not done any gross immorality or anything like that. You want to know what gross immorality is? It is to say to God, I want to do my own thing. That's gross immorality. Well, I haven't done any, you know, I'm, I'm not like a, a criminal. Eh? Hey, before God, stop comparing yourself to anybody else. Before God. You're talking before God who knows the intents. He knows the thoughts. He knows everything about our lives. He's not taken by surprise by it. He's not like shocked by it. He knows it. And He does not want that for you. Do you think how loving God is for us? That He wants us to suffer in that realm? You will suffer. You will suffer if you try to live your own life. You will suffer. The most miserable people on the planet Earth are not the prostitutes and the drug addicts. The most miserable people on the planet Earth are Christians who are not living for God. Because they have the Spirit of God inside going, don't do this! Turn it to me! This is exactly what the Word of God tells us. So what do you say? What do you say to this? I mean, God is telling telling us this. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth. Sounds like an action verb to me. Sounds like a command to me as well. Grammatically speaking, sounds like a command. Purifies himself even as he is pure. Lord, I come to you. Wash me clean. I come to you. I turn everything over to you. I want you to be Lord. Talk about a godly future. Talk about a future that will just won't be a waste. Talk about not only a godly future, but how about a godly eternity? That's exactly what I want. I don't know how many more years. My father and my mother died. I've outlived my mother already. She died at sixty. My father-in-law, eighty-four. My father. 87. I mean, I, I just you know we look at these things and we look how fast life is just clipping by. And I say to myself, I don't want to, I don't want to waste it. How about you? I don't want to waste it. And I look at this and I say, in this somebody wrote a poem one time and they said, if the savior, if the savior has won your heart and heaven, and for heaven you've made a start. Keep your eye upon the chart and go on. Buy the truth and sell it not. Hold for God the bitch you've got. Be content with air your lot and go on. Feed on Christ the living bread. Drink of Him the fountainhead. Think of why His blood was shed. And go on. In your pew you have a uh, black hymn book. Would you grab it? Would you grab it? Black hymn book. Oh, thank you. I want us to look at some words here, if you don't mind. I think it's number five. Yeah. Let's sing this Alcapuco. Okie not let's sing this Alcapuco. I hope you got a copy of it. And if you don't, look on with your neighbor. Matt, make sure you get one of these. You got one of these? All right, my brother. All right, we're not going to. I mean, the, the preacher can see everybody. Okay. Okay, but, but the Lord can see it all, right? Okay. Behold what love, what boundless love the Father hath bestowed on sinners lost that we should be, now called the sons of God. Okay, stop there just a moment. Let's do stanza number two and three and then four. We'll sing the chorus. Okay, doke. No longer far from Him, but now by precious blood made nigh. That in the well-beloved near to God's heart we lie. Stanza three. What we in glory soon shall be, it doth not yet appear. More like our in shall the see, we shall His image bear. stands four. With such a blessed hope in view, we would more holy be. More like our risen glorious Lord, whose face we soon shall see. Sing it out now. Behold, what manner of love, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we, that we should be called, should be called the sons of God. Father, we thank you for this confidence and this commitment for a godly future. And we ask you, Lord God, that you would help us to turn everything over to you. How foolish we have been when we have held on to our own desires, our own plans, our own strength. How foolish that is. We see that from your word. You have told us this. We are helpless in getting forgiveness from you in our own strength. Why do we think that we can please you in living for you in our own strength? We turn everything over to you. We thank you for your forgiveness that you provide when we come to you. We want to live for you. Thank you so much your son thank you for the home that we have in heaven and the life that we can live now because of you and because of your ever abiding strength power wisdom we give the brush back to you we ask you to paint our lives into a more beautiful picture Your word tells us behold now and that's this very second and we, we give it give you ourselves afresh now we ask these things in Jesus name amen thank you